Welcome to The Advertising Show, America's only radio program focusing on advertising, media, marketing, product development, branding, new media, sales and customer relations. Stay with us for entertaining marketing discussion and our special guest interview. Now, here are your hosts, Ray Shillins and Brad Forsyth. Uh, Brad, before we get started, you have confetti in your nose. Yes. Uh, must have been a good party last night. Yes. It was great. Okay. Uh, Ray Shillings and Brad Forsyth on the Advertising Show is being brought to you by Advertising Age magazine. You can visit online at adage.com. Advertising Show, a big radio midgets production. You might ask yourself, how can these guys who really literally partied all night long be so awake and alive and everything? Mm-hmm. It's the uh, magic of radio, boys and girls. Happy 2006, and we're glad to be with you for a couple of hours here. And uh, a lot of great stuff going on. First of all, John Battelle out of uh, San Francisco. He is the author of a book, and we'll need to talk to John about the length of the title of the book. <laughs> Too many words. Got to change it. Uh, it's called The Search, How Google and Its Rivals Rewrote the Rules of Business and Transformed Our Culture, which is a national bestseller. Should have made that part of the book, too. That would have been great. Well, it's um, a subtitle. Uh, exactly. And uh, we've got Joe Jaffe here in just a few moments. Uh, along with uh, Patrick Meyer a little bit later on next hour. Uh, Andy Borowitz is with us, too, as well. Um, let's see. The Wacky World of Marketing for a Very Special Christmas Tree is what we're talking about today. Mm. And who else? Uh, Jeffrey Gittimer, our sales guru, is going to talk about uh, how to act on complaints and when to do that. <laughs> Usually, immediately is a good thing. You know what I mean? Yeah. So how are you doing? Well, I'm doing great. You know, uh, I've been holding on to this item, Ray, uh, since before Christmas. This seems like the type of item you would hear about uh, New Year's Eve, but uh, this is from the strange and unusual a cell phone. Uh, apparently got lodged in a woman's throat. A woman was taken to a hospital emergency room after okay. a cell phone became lodged in her throat when she uh, tried to swallow it, Ray. The, the woman uh, got into an argument with a boyfriend. Yeah. And when he asked for the cell phone, she gulped it down, according to Sergeant Steve Decker of the Blue Springs, Missouri Police Department. The officer said she didn't want him to have it, so she swallowed it, or at least tried to. Now, I don't know. If this guy's listening, call me. I've got a reverse psychology idea for you. But in any event, the woman uh, was taken to the emergency room, and she uh, apparently still had the telephone in her throat. Upon arrival of the hospital, the officer said that the woman apparently was going to be okay. Uh, I don't know about you, Ray, but if I had an argument with a girlfriend, I've been married too long to even remember what that was like, and I know you have, you have been as well. But right. wouldn't you be compelled to want to, you know, call her while she's in the uh, ambulance on her cell, or at least on your cell phone, I guess, <laughs> hoping that maybe it was on vibrate or something? Uh, yes. I mean, yes, that, yes. that's a that's a true story. I, I, I assume that she was okay, but there was no follow-up to that. But that's from the KansasCity.com. <laughs> yeah. Reach out and touch someone. Isn't that funny? That's weird. I'm going to really? swallow your cell phone because I'm mad at you. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Uh, okay. <laughs> that, you see, that's impossible to top. But that that's is. okay. We'll give it a shot. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, throughout the show, we normally feature the uh, the classic spots uh, from many, many years ago. This, this uh, week, what we're doing to celebrate the new year is featuring the most watched videos. It's, uh, it's adage.com. It was on their website, and there's just a bunch of cool stuff here. And you're saying, well, gee, Ray, how can we see the videos? Well, you can't, but we'll describe them, okay? And there's audio to go along with those videos, yeah. so it should be good. So we'll do that. Anyway, John Patel is uh, in the green room, and will be joining us here in, in just a few moments on the advertising show. 
Um, why don't we do this? Let's play Joe, and then we'll come back and do some more stuff here. Great. If you dare to risk seeing the world from a new point of view, join us now for a different perspective. Featuring author and new marketing consultant, Joseph Jaffe. The other day I gave a presentation to a bunch of CMOs on evaluating agencies, how to get the most from your money. I told them that I wasn't going to focus on the money part, but on the most. The idea here was to concentrate on effectiveness, not on efficiency. This isn't a widget business. This isn't a factory. This is a business based on ideas, insights, and creativity. We need to figure out how to work with our agencies, how to compensate them, how to incentivize them, how to motivate them to maximize the yield from that tremendous ideation process. Agencies today are shadows of their former selves. There aren't many agencies that have a tremendously strong culture that stretches back decades upon decades. It's a game of musical chairs. The management team of one agency today is going to look very different to two or three years' time in the future. In fact, an existing management team is really just an amalgamation of several other agencies. And from a cultural and an organizational standpoint, that's not a good thing. And so I talk about SSDD. Marketers are continuously changing agencies. But maybe the problem doesn't lie within the agency. Maybe the problem lies on the marketer side. Maybe it's the marketer that has to change in order for them to get the most out of the agency. Think about it. This has been A Different Perspective. Featuring Joseph Jaffe, president of new marketing consulting practice Jaffe LLC and author of Life After the 30-Second Spot. To learn more, log on to GetTheJuice.com. It's the Advertising Show with Ray Shillings and uh, Brad Forsyth here on a brand new day, a brand new year. Uh, welcome to 2006. We've got uh, John Vitale joining us shortly uh, for both hours, as a matter of fact. He's an entrepreneur, a journalist, professor, and author who has uh, founded or co-founded businesses, magazines, and websites. The guy's busy, okay? Maybe he's ADHD, Brad. I don't know. Currently on leave from uh, Graduate School of Journalism at the University of California in Berkeley. Battelle is also a founder and executive producer of the Web 2.0 uh, conference. Uh, my goodness. We'll tell you more in Chapter 2 of the John Battelle story. You know, it's too bad that he's on leave, or we could get some kind of credit towards a master's uh, degree, I think, today, interviewing John. I don't know how we could do that. But no, maybe it, it's it a, does count. You actually get it a, does? A, a half-hour credit, I believe. You do? Okay. Yeah. It'd be, well, that's good it'd to be know. one, but we have to split it. <laughs> well, a quarter each. Okay. Exactly. Hey, there's well, something, else, something else cooking here. This is kind of interesting. And I don't know, uh, in, the, in our uh, home market of Houston, Texas, there is no mass transit advertising, and we ask ourselves, Why? Why is there no mass transit marketing? Uh, I, th- I think there should be. Mm-hmm. Uh, some school buses are becoming billboards for cash-starved districts. This is school buses they're doing this on. Uh, they're doing double duty, serving as billboards for soft drinks, credit unions, and car dealerships. As the uh, school districts look for new ways to generate revenue, they spread across the nation because there's so much money that will come into the uh, schools as a result of doing this. This is... a. Uh, Daniel Shearer, who's director of the transportation at Scottsdale Unified School District in Arizona. Hmm. Way to go, Daniel. What a smart idea. Mm-hmm. It's a good idea. That? Well, it's a, it's a good idea, I guess, if you're willing to, uh, you know, I'm sure many local advertisers would be ready to jump on that uh, that form of advertising, especially in a, uh, well, yeah. Personally, I think it's kind of you know, not not the highest uh, brow, highbrow type of advertising, but, you know, there's always a, 
what you know with today's uh, w- with selling of advertising space on people's foreheads and, and tattoos and Absolutely. so forth. School buses don't seem like that much of a stretch. No, it really doesn't. Hey, by, um, by the way, I want to remind you if uh, at theadvertisingshow.com, there's a really cool deal with the podcast and the RSS feeds, and that is done by our friends at Shipple, uh, the web marketing company. Cool stuff. Uh, you can uh, check it out at shipple.com, S-C-H-I-P-U-L.com. And there's also something neat on there. If you've got a website, uh, go t- and check out Tendency, okay, with an I. So it's Ray Shillings and Brad Forsyth on the Advertising Show, and we'll be back in uh, just a moment with John Battelle out of San Francisco. And uh, the book is too long to say the title of before the commercial starts, so we'll just hold that until after the break, okay? <laughs> back in just a minute. You're listening to The Advertising Show with Ray Shillins and Brad Forsyth. It is really hot down here. Mom! Mom! You're not wolfing down jalapenos again, are you? Yeah, because let me tell you about my friend Ned. His mama ate nothing but spicy foods. Homeboy came out red, Mom. Bright red. So if you keep cramming those peppers that is down a, here, uh, not a classic spot, but it probably will be early. someday. That's Grab for a hamburger chain called Carl's Jr. It was uh, from Mendelssohn uh, Zine. Uh, it's called uh, Fetus Pitches Burgers. <laughs> and uh, it's, it's a really cute thing. By the way, if you go to the ad, uh, adage.com, you can actually see the spot as well. And it's uh, squeaking from inside his mom, the uh, Fetus uh, Hawk the Chain's new spicy barbecue $6 burger. Yep, 6 bucks. There we go. Wow. John Patel, we told you a little bit about uh, his life, and here's part two. Uh, previously, John was founder, chairman, and CEO of Standard Media International, publisher of the Industry Standard and the Standard.com. Prior to founding the Standard, Battelle was co-founding editor of Wired Magazine, What a Great Magazine, and Wired Ventures. Battelle recently wrote the book, here we go, The Search, How Google and Its Rivals Rewrote the Rules of Business and Transformed Our Culture, which is now, by the way, a national bestseller. Out of San Francisco, this brand new day of the brand new year, welcome to the advertising show. John, it's nice to have you here. Yeah, and you know, uh, you do hold the record in the long, uh, longest uh, subtitle of a book that's uh, appeared here on the advertising show. We're just going to call it the search from here on out. And by well, the way, I noticed, yeah, I noticed, uh, John, that uh, there's a competitor of yours. I'm going to call it a competitor, but only because he's hitting on the same subject matter as you are. That has uh, a book out uh, that's entitled, uh, you know, has Google in the title and uses right. the colors as you use. Are you familiar with that book? Sure, sure. It's sort of a biography of Google. Yeah. So uh, to differentiate uh, you from uh, the rest of the crowd there, describe the central hypothesis, John, if you would, of uh, your book, The Search. Sure. I I thought of doing a story just about Google, but what I realized was is this story is far longer and and, and I think more interesting when you set it in the context of of what's been happening over the last 20 years with the Internet um, and how search has become a way that all of us have sort of changed how we interact with knowledge and uh, with the with the internet. Uh, it's become a navigational tool, sort of the next tool that we use past Microsoft Windows to interact with the digital world. And I wanted to tell the story, sort of the narrative of of search, 
uh, and start at the beginning um, and go through towards where we are right now. And, of course, where we are right now is Google. Um, and so Google fig- figures prominently in the book. But I wanted to set it in an idea, a big idea, which was that we are really building a very large database of our intentions, of our declarations, of what, we're, what we do in the world, in the digital world, um, by clicking around, by making searches, um, by choosing uh, among the results of searches, and that all of this is becoming eternal. In other words, it is becoming part of the index of a search engine um, and forever recoverable, which, of course, has implications for government, for, uh, for litigation, for our culture generally. Um, so the book has some of those bigger kind of contextual ideas uh, in it, and uh, I try to seat the story of Google in those bigger uh, contexts. Well, I'm curious. Uh, we're all familiar with the dot-com bust of 2000. How, describe how a company like Google managed to survive that. Well, it's funny. People don't know this, but it, it, it actually almost didn't. Um, the, uh, the, the bust of 2000, uh, the funny part about it was Google was gathering steam. It launched in fall of 98. And it, by, the, by 2000, it was um, gaining popularity and growing very, very quickly. But it did not have a business model. Um, it was starting to fiddle with selling uh, advertising, but the founders, engineers as they were, did not want to sell graphical advertising. They hated the graphical ads that were on Yahoo and Excite and those places. They thought they were disruptive. They slowed down search speeds and result uh, rendering speeds. Um, so they only wanted to sell text ads. Um, but there wasn't a market, really, for text ads. Um, and when the crash came, uh, they thought, well, you know, if things get really bad, we'll just do a big deal with DoubleClick. You know, and we'll start serving graphical ads. We don't like it, but, you know, I guess we'll do it. Of course, when the crash came, DoubleClick nearly fell apart as well. Mm-hmm. Stock went down, what, 90%, 95%? Um, and so there really wasn't uh, a there there. You couldn't just go do a deal with DoubleClick because uh, that whole market was falling apart. The savior came in the form of uh, contextual pay-per-click ads, of course, which is now the, you know, multi-billion dollar business model of not only Google, but many other businesses as well. Yeah. Um, and it worked, and the fact that it worked in the time that was, you know, a, a very bad recession uh, is, is why people started to use it, and, and it sort of became an increasing sort of positive returns thing, which really saved not just Google, but I argue in the book, it, it helped lead the whole Internet out of the darkness and into a, a new business model in terms of profitability. You know, it, it truly did, and timing, uh, they say, is underrated, but Google couldn't have had better timing when they Perfect moved time. to that you know, to that new model. And uh, I was reading an article, and I'm sorry, I didn't bring it to today's uh, broadcast, but there's a gentleman behind the scenes, that uh, a, a sales and uh, advertising sales executive that was hired. Omid Kordestani. Uh, exactly. Uh, say his name again. Omid Kordestani. He was, uh, he was the senior vice president of sales at Netscape, and he left to head up sales at Google, and I believe he was employee number 21. Yeah, and t- talk a little bit about Cortesani's, uh move uh, to getting uh, Google to change their business model at a time just prior to the IPO that really set them up beautifully for what would become a, a new business model and a new form of uh, revenue for Google. So Omid was the, sort of the first original business person that was hired. It was really and remains still a very engineering-driven company. Um, but they knew that they had to, you know, pay for the pay the bills, and they knew they needed to figure out the advertising issue. And Cordestani was very talented uh, at Netscape uh, at selling those. Uh, you may recall in the late '90s those real estate deals, um, where people would buy a position on a portal like Netscape mm-hmm. or AltaVista or other places. 
Um, and uh, Omid was familiar with all the players and the major advertisers and had a good reputation, and it, of course, helped that he had an engineering undergraduate degree uh, before he got his graduate degree in business. Um, so they brought him in, <clears throat> and over the course of the next few years, developed the core business model uh, that uh, that has brought such rich, you know, such riches to Google, AdWords, and then in 2003, AdSense, which is the distributed syndicated model where other publishers take the AdWords and put them on their site, and contextually relevant AdWords are then displayed, and they share the money with Google, um, and. Without Omid sort of pushing on that piece of the business, um, I don't think Google would have been nearly as successful. He's he's known within the ranks of, of the senior folks at Google as the business founder of Google. Um, and he was, of course, um, brought in by one of the board members, Ram Sharam, who was also at Netscape and was an angel investor in Google. And I understand that uh, senior executives, uh, Schmidt in particular, CEO of Google at that time, was not uh, not a believer in Omid's uh, in Omid's th- thought that, that 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 new model would be something that would eventually play out. Well, when I first met with Eric, it was late '01, early '02. I had a couple of meetings with him um, when I was developing the book, uh, and I wasn't sure I was going to write a book. I just wanted to kind of, you know, I wanted to have a long chat with him. I've done a lot of, you know. Uh, media work. I've started a number of media businesses. I'm starting another one based on the insights that I've seen from writing the book. And I said to him, you know, Eric, you are really sitting on the largest media business ever. You know, And he said, well, no, I'm a technology-driven business. I'm not interested in media. A year later, he had changed his tune, and I think Omid had a lot to do with that. You know, next segment, I want to talk about how you really convinced uh, uh, Eric Schmidt of Google that he was a media company, and it was more than just a a casual conversation. We'll hold that for next segment. Good deal. On the Advertising Show with Ray Shillings and Brad Forsyth, we've got our special guest out of San Francisco this weekend, John Battelle, and the book is called The Search, How Google and Its Rivals Rewrote the Rules of Business and Transform our culture. We've got the uh, wacky world of marketing here coming up momentarily. It's a, a special Christmas tree. Stick around for that and a whole bunch more as we continue our conversation on this uh, fresh new day of uh, 2006. Feels good, doesn't it? Thanks for being with us. TheAdvertisingShow.com is a great place to go throughout the week. You can check it out for past guests as well and a whole bunch of great news as well, too. So it's TheAdvertisingShow.com. With Ray Shillings and Brian Forsyth. Back in a minute. And now, it's time for the Wacky World of Marketing. Wacky World of Marketing. Here's your host, Bruce Abbott. Oh, tannin beer, oh, tannin perm, how lovely is thy styling. So, wanting your business to look spirited and festive this holiday season? Well, how about this? Our wacky update heads to a little town in Louisiana where AP reports a tree bedecked with curlers or Bud Light, plastic shrimp and crabs so bright to make a statement to the night We'll start the new year smiling. The owner of Deb's Beauty Shop was a tad on the grumpy side when employees clamored for Christmas decor. She said she'd get the tree, but not the ornaments. So, cotton rolls used for perms served as garlands. Clients pinned tips and business cards to the branches. Boxes of hair dye made a bright show around the base, and the tree was a big hit. She's doing it again next year. Down the road... Glued-together beer bottle caps decorated one family's tree, while another tree was filled with toy crabs, plastic shrimp, and tiny bottles of hot sauce. Ho, 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 and Happy New Year. 
that, my friends, is the wacky world of marketing. This program was written and produced by Bruce Abbott, executive producer of The Advertising Show. Join us next time when we uncover the strange, the bizarre, and unfortunately, the true wacky world of marketing. Make informed decisions about your company's advertising strategy. This is The Advertising Show. Back on The Advertising Show with Ray Shillings and Brad Forsyth. And uh, this is, uh, it's actually uh, Kevin uh, Garnett, uh, Nadita's ad, that uh, came in number two here. Uh, the most valuable player and former Nike spokesperson. He went to uh, Adidas. And what he's doing is taking dozens of people, I don't know whether you saw this, Brad, putting it on no. their shoulders and walking around. And, of course, uh, this is from uh, TWBA or TBWA, Chiat Day, out of San Francisco. Maybe uh, maybe, maybe John has seen it as well. Anyway, another, another classic spot of 2005. John Battelle, our special guest here on the Advertising Show. Welcome back to the show, John. Thank you. You know, uh, companies like Google and Yahoo are calling themselves the new media companies of the 21st century. In your book, you talk about, uh, as we were ending last segment, how you suggested uh, to Google CEO Eric Schmidt uh, that he declare themselves a media company. And at that time, uh, according to your book, I believe it was 01, he didn't see the point. And, and so a little more in-depth, if you would, John, on how you convinced uh, Schmidt of Google that he truly was a media company. Well, I'd love to take credit that I convinced him. I, I, may have, <laughs> I may have pushed him along, but I was certainly convinced. But, of course, I was coming in as a media guy, you know. And uh, I, when, you, when you make media, uh, you know, one of the things you, you care most about is, is who is your audience, what do they want, how can you get it to them. Um, and if you're a marketer, of course, you, know, you share a similar uh, set of, of concerns. You want to understand the demographics of your audience, and you ideally want to know what they want. And then, of course, you get about the business of delivering it to them and charging them a price that yields you a good profit. And um, it struck me that the idea of the database of intentions was so perfectly tuned to marketing and media that if you knew what people wanted, why you could get about the business of delivering it to them in content and in marketing. And you marry the two together, and my God, you've redefined the media business. Um, and I was you know, positively high on this idea when I went to meet with Eric, and I, I had this long conversation with him where I, where I argued that he was sitting on you know, every major, he, had, he was an agency, he was a research company, he was a publisher, he, you know, and, and I, you know, I sort of went through every one of the sectors of the media business and said, "You've got it all. It's you know, all you need to do is build it out." And he had already built Google News, um, which of course he didn't build, but some engineer did in his spare time because he didn't like the way the news was framed and he thought he could do a better job. Um, and uh, and I said, "You know, Google News is just the tip of the iceberg of what's possible." Um, and he said, "Nah, you know." It's interesting, and yeah, this AdWords thing looks like it's bringing in some healthy revenue, and we're pleased with that because, you know, that's better than not having healthy revenue, but we're really looking for what the next great thing is we can do with this platform that we're building for search, you know, and maybe there's some other things that are extensible beyond that platform. Of course, he had a lot of ideas of what it might be, and we see those products now, Gmail and Google Earth and so on. But at that time, I was convinced that the media play was, was one of the biggest, and, and uh, he simply wasn't. I, when I went you know, about a year later, I went back down for another set of interviews with him after talking to lots and lots of people around the valley and in the business. Um, 
and in some of his first words, and I think I tell the story in the book, was, you know, ain't the media business great? (laughs) 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 He had figured out that, you know, Google does an extremely efficient job of connecting buyer to seller and seller to buyer. Um, And that if you get in the middle of that medium, right, if you get in the middle of that, why then you can... um, carve out a very, very nice niche for yourself, particularly if there is inefficiency in the current system, which we all know there is. Um, some level of inefficiency, I would argue, is actually very important because I'm not one who believes branding is dead. On the other hand, um, if people are looking for a direct you know, GMC minivan, right, and they want to buy one, why uh, getting in their way is just that, getting in their way. And if they're in a search engine and they're looking for information about that, um, perhaps the best way to get it to them is through a paid link. Um, and Google figured that out and has become one of the fastest growing media businesses ever. Um, and I think along the way has you know, threatened, uh, terrified, uh, and dazzled pretty much the entire infrastructure of the media business as we know it. Yeah. yeah, and certainly if you consider Yahoo the closest competitor to Google, they have uh, they, nobody does it better than Google. And you know, uh, back back last summer, John, we had the pleasure of interviewing Robin Sloan and Matt Thompson, the online film creators of the uh, film Epic 2014. For those not familiar with sure. it, it's a sh- short film that just simply takes the events of the past few years and combines them with the future timeline leading up to the evolution of of uh, of uh, future media in particular. They they uh, they predicted in the uh, film that Google by 2006 will combine all of its services uh, and uh, eventually evolve into what would be called a Google Grid of right. sorts. Uh, I'm curious, what, what's your take on this? Do you feel that their predictions were uh, will be accurate in the long term, or is it just a fun film to watch? It, well, it's, it's, it's a little bit of both, in my opinion. Um, oftentimes when I speak, particularly when I speak to large media businesses, which I do from time to time, um, they will show that film first, and then I have to come on. <laughs> oh, boy. Yeah. <laughs> That's always fun. Um, and it's like, okay, so, John, you know, what do we have to do to make sure that doesn't happen? Um, I, I do believe that, that the idea of, you know, the grid, which could be also called distributed computing or um, you know client-server computing, even is, is happening now. If you think mm-hmm. about how much of our information we store online that we used to store on our own PCs, our photos, our social networks, our contact databases, our email, you know, and and not just at Google, you know, at Microsoft, at AOL, at Yahoo, and lots of other services. Um, I do believe that this idea of distributed computing, of having this you know, the processing outsourced, so to speak, to a large platform, whether that's Google or another company, is happening. When we go to Google Earth and we fly around like Superman and check out the roofs of our neighbors' buildings and so on, um, we're, we're not really doing any of that computing on our own computer. We're doing it on Google. And I think increasingly this is going to happen and be a big part of the new architecture of, of how computing works and how marketing works for that matter. We're going to have John back with us next hour. Stay with us on The Advertising Show with Ray Shillings and Brad Forsyth. Make informed decisions about your company's advertising strategy. This is The Advertising Show. Another one of those great spots from uh, 2005. Uh, the agency is actually a joint venture of uh, Dentsu and uh, Leo Burnett, uh, a Ronald McDonald, but it's not 
Ronald McDonald. It's Ms. McDonald's. Very, hmm. very good. Uh, anyway, at, uh, go, go to the at age.com. You can see the thing. She's uh, she's got the shoes. She's got the red shoes, the clown shoes, and uh, but she certainly ain't Ronald. If you know what I'm saying. I like the music. Yeah, it's great. So uh, anyway, we're showcasing those as we uh, continue our first show of a brand new year. Here, the advertising show with Ray Shillings and Brad Forsyth, and uh, we'll be back with uh, John next hour. By the way, John's got a lot of cool stuff going on there, and John is really—you don't want to call John bleeding edge, but he's very close to that. Okay. Bleeding edge. Bleeding edge. Not cutting edge. It's oh. bleeding edge. Bleeding edge. Well, he is. Uh, he's knowledgeable, and I got to tell you, I'm looking forward to next hour and jumping into this. As yes. as we always say, uh, you know, you get a great guest like John, and you wish you could spend uh, the full two hours with uh, with somebody like that because he's just a depth of, and world of knowledge there. So absolutely. Hey, the yeah. first day of the new year. Time to eat healthy, Brad. Not that we don't, right? Right. Uh, Frito Lay CEO sees future in healthier products. Duh. Past the Fritos. Yes. Uh, Frito Lay chairperson and chief executive Irene Rosenfeld believes that offering uh, healthier products will keep the nation's largest snack maker financially healthy. I think she's right. Well, wait little... a minute. <laughs> They'll run out of products. Well, no, they're suggesting that they're going to make some. Uh, a lot of different changes, and they've, uh, let's see, well, what did good. she say? Uh, we've made some uh, progress on key initiatives, and uh, she became a chairwoman and uh, CEO in 2004. I think we've got a lot of momentum. She did not share with us what momentum that was, <laughs> yeah. but she's got a lot of momentum, so yeah. good for her. Good for her. Maybe that's a new snack coming out. A lot of momentum. momentum. Yeah. Well, that's good. I Pass like the that. momentums. Write that down. Yeah. That's good. You know, it's interesting. It'll be interesting to see if they do come out with that because, you know, Frito-Lay uh, is founded on maybe less than uh, less than healthy snacks. But if they can come out with some, some good ones, then, you know, I'll be standing in line to buy some, huh? Healthy uh, snack, oxymoron. Yeah, isn't it? Uh, you know, here's an oxymoron as well. Uh, ABC Radio's New York flagship station, WABC, is dumping two hours of prime weekday morning ad inventory in a winter experiment to grab more listeners to promote its programming more aggressively. Now, that's got to be a, you know, a, a, certainly a new philosophy, right? The switch uh, won't mean that a complete loss of revenue will take place since title sponsorships and corporate mentions uh, are going to be figuring into part of the new drive-time advertising opportunity. But apparently this has to do with uh, a strategy against uh, a new all-news operation in New York that they're competing against. So it's an idea that, uh, that you know, let, let's face it, if they're going to take an idea like this, yeah. Uh, what better time than in the uh, first few months of the year when advertising uh, demand in radio, <clears throat> excuse me, and in media in general, but in particular certainly radio is fairly slow during the first few months. So it's probably a great idea if you're going to experiment with something like that. But i got to tell you. I to don't have think a, so. I think that's stupid. Who well, owns there, ABC? Do you know? Well, I, it's, I believe it's. Uh, it, it doesn't mention here, but I think it's a Clear Channel station. But I'm uh, no, 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 no. Show, what am I saying? It's Disney. Disney it's ABC okay. Radio, ABC right? Disney, yeah, right. yeah, yeah. So uh, when you do that, whenever you do that, that's not your core competency. They ought to be going against this uh, new news talk station with personalities, with content, with with the credibility of the fact that they are indeed the better station, and that's the way it goes. You know, it's like when you you hear on some of these stations, you hear about the more music mornings. Yeah, that means you're lacking a morning personality. Well, and, uh, yeah, yeah I, I I agree with you. Now, I should clarify. This is 5 to 7 a.m. only that they're going ad-free, oh. uh, not during 
during the entire morning drive, and it's uh, and the and they're only losing thirty minutes of inventory. But but to your point, Ray, I agree with you in that uh, when radio stations in the past have said. Uh, more music, less commercials. It signals to the audience that the commercials are supposed to be a turnoff. Right. You know, and to me, the commercials are supposed to be what affords one to be able to listen to the free music, right? right. Uh, on the radio. So, you know, I, I, well, yeah, and what they're trying to do here is they're just trying to say that from a, from a content standpoint, they're going to free up a couple hours uh, of uh, morning drive to be able to give more content with less commercial breaks. And, you know, whether this really has an impact on the ratings, I've often been a, a critical of any changes that take place during, uh, during ratings, during sweeps, yeah. uh, that are to reflect some unusual, you know, spike in ratings because later on when the ratings come out and advertisers pay a, a higher rate because of higher ratings, yeah. guess what they're not doing anymore? Whatever it was that got those ratings, you know, two, three months or several weeks earlier. That's just a one book, so who's going to go by that anyway? That's true. Bad idea. Put the commercials back on and do a better job of what you do. True. There you go. It's Ray Shillings and Brad Forsyth. We've got uh, not the advertising showcase. It's the flip-flop of that, advertising. We'll do that in just a minute with uh, the advertising show. Stay with us. Simplifying the complex world of advertising. To reach Ray and Brad with your questions, log on to theadvertisingshow.com. This is The Advertising Show. Miss Capelli? Yes, I'd like to be on a commercial. Uh, what will you be advertising? GoDaddy.com. Oh, my gosh. It's a website where you can register .com names for only $8.95 a year. And what exactly will you be doing on this commercial? I could do a routine where I went like this. <laughs> can we say Super Bowl mistake number four? <laughs> yeah. Uh, this is out of uh, the ad store, and uh, it's a broadcast hearing for, obviously, GoDaddy.com, one of the... Uh, the most watched TV spots. It was well done, though. I've got to admit that, though. We'll play those throughout the show. As we uh, continue here with Ray Shillings and Brad Forsyth, next hour we bring uh, John Battelle back uh, for, uh, for more, and we're looking forward to that as well. He's got so many things. It's like, what? I didn't know that. So uh, got some good stuff, too. Every week we look at the upside and the downside of advertising. It's trended down toward the end of the year, and it looks like we're starting off uh, 2006 on not such a good uh, pattern. It's kind of like the Dow Jones, basically. And now it's time for the bad advertising item of the week. Boing, boing. That boy is famous now. It is. Yes. So what do you got this week? Well, you know, uh, perhaps you've seen the old uh, Orville Redenbacher TV spot making a comeback lately. I'm yes, not I have. going to. Yeah, I have too. And I'm not going to bore you for those that have not seen it with a full description as we usually do. But here's a quick reminder: it's simply old Orville himself sitting in front of a, a, a front and center at a table, comparing the old Orville Redenbacher product with ordinary popcorn. Okay. All delivered in Orville's unique deadpan persona, of course. So. Uh, and who else would have their hair parted down the middle and those are the horn rim glasses anyway? Uh, so, yeah, I did too. Just uh, too bad. Most of these people, both he and uh, who's that other guy? Uh, the Wendy's guy. Well, no, the, not him. The guy that ate the uh, uh, cattails. Uh, Oh, you know. Joel Gibbons, right. Yeah, he died, too. Both these guys died, and they're eating healthy food. I don't understand that. Anyway, uh, <laughs> certainly... Kill you, Brad. <laughs> that's true. He got caught in his throat. Yeah. Certainly, uh, we're all well aware of the fact that the TV uh, advertising... Uh, M, not the, but TV impact... Uh, the TV advertising 
channel, if you will, does not have the impact that it once did. It doesn't have the reach that it once did. So what we have here, Ray, is an example of a marketer thinking that if they go back to an old uh, commercial and revive it, that perhaps they'll get the attention of the viewer as well as the same results that the old TV campaign did some 30 years ago. The problem uh, that makes this the advertising item of the week, in my opinion, is that with most young consumers, uh, they won't have a clue as to where this uh, old ad uh, idea originated from some 30 years ago. Uh, and, and, you know, the, there's sure a lack of relevancy with regard to the uh, uh, younger viewer as far as why they would be seeing this spot. So, you know, I, I don't have any research to back this up, but I would guess the 30 and under market would make up a large percentage of the total uh, target market for the popcorn product for Orvin Red, uh, Redenbacher or any other, you know, popcorn popper maker for that matter. But uh, it's a significant audience to uh, not be able to connect from a relevancy standpoint. And more importantly, the more obvious, I think, is the fact that the original Redenbacher spot lacks any kind of updating. Uh, Burger King did a great job of bringing some uh, old uh, uh, spots back, but they updated it and had some more uh, resonance and relevance to the uh, consumer today. And what they're doing is they're basically re-airing an old spot in the case of Redenbacher, and they're doing it with uh, without any uh, newness, with the exception of a uh, of a uh, website reference at the end of the spot in case you want to see more classic Orville Redenbacher spots, which I don't know about you, but uh, that's got to be right up there with the excitement of watching popcorn pop. Yeah. But uh, so, so in my the opinion, the re-airing of – what's that? The old-fashioned way. Exactly. Uh, in my opinion, the re-airing of Orville Redenbacher's spot is missing the mark here. Just simply by redoing an old spot, uh, it lacks any kind of relevance, relevancy, as I mentioned, to connect with the younger consumer market. And I'm not sure even for us, Ray, uh, that do remember the old spot, if it has any additional brand value now seeing the old spot again in 2005. A simple update, little uh, little contemporization of, of, of an old spot, I think, would have handled that. So sorry, ConAgra Foods, the maker of... Orville Redenbacher, say that a thousand times. And their agency, this is a surprise, Crispin Porter Boguski. Uh, they are their, they are our advertiser. Advertising. Boy, I'm having a tough time. Is it New Year's Day? Oh, yeah, it is. That's why it is. I had, uh, it was that eggnog. It was that old eggnog. Uh, (laughs) advertising item of the week. Good. Very good. Uh Uh, you know, Orville had a son too as well. He did. Uh, I saw. I remember that. Like him. Uh, he did. But really, and that's it, that ancestral stuff. It's family owned, <laughs> family owned and operated. Yes, yeah. Yeah. Uh But sometimes that doesn't work. I mean, people don't relate to uh, uh, an old spot. Back, uh, yeah, they they yeah. don't. I mean, who, and, and first of all, who are you selling popcorn to? And I guess Young the good people. news is, yeah, right. And the good news is that you can't bat a hundred all the time, can you? Right. Well, and again, it was a great idea that when it originally when it originally aired. But I think the problem is, is that. Uh, just simply taking an old spot and bringing it into 05 or, or now 06 uh, doesn't really uh, resonate with, as we've already pointed out, the young consumer. So they, they, they're being lazy about it, I think, frankly. I think it makes sense. Very interesting. Uh, Sony and Nike are doing something unique uh, this time of the year. They're among the major marketers using graffiti-like images painted directly onto buildings to advertise their products in major urban markets like San Francisco and uh, New York. The marketer is desperate to find ways to reach people. Uh, it's according to Bob Garfield from Advertising Age, especially young men who are far too busy playing Grand Theft Auto to notice, hmm. say, a 30-second TV commercial. And I think he's right. Uh, sure I'm not is. sure that I agree on the graffiti stuff because I think that's just a, a huge negative uh, to have something maybe, like that. What do you feel Maybe like it's that? graffiti-like. 
as opposed to, I mean, it could yeah, it be? Yeah, but it's graffiti, though. I mean, it, it is graffiti. Um, so it's not paid. They don't buy the space and put it on there. It's actually an illegal uh, action is what you're saying. No, I'm not saying that. I'm suggesting that, yeah, they do buy the space and put it on there, but it looks mm-hmm. like graffiti. So I Yeah, mean, I why, see what you're saying. Why would you want to do something like that? I guess, mm-hmm. I guess again, because they're talking to uh, young desperate people. young men yeah. who, uh, who want to find out uh, about the product. So in a way, it's, it's, it's brilliant, but... On the other side, I see too many graffiti-laden buildings and bridges and such that uh, why would you want to perpetuate perpetuate something like that? Do you want to take time now to tell the audience about that new tattoo that you got and that, how much you're getting paid for? No. Okay, we'll no. save that till next <laughs> next week. <laughs> That's good. Yeah, we'll talk about your uh, nose ring. Though. That's great. Oh. Okay. <laughs> we have more with John Vitell, the author of The Search, How Google and Its Rivals Rewrote the Rules in Business and Transformed Our Culture. And he'll be back with us uh, next hour. More to come, too, as well. We've got, let's see, who else do we have here? Uh, Patrick Myers with us, Jeffrey Gittimer, Andy Borowitz as well, too, on hour number two of the Advertising Show. Go to theadvertisingshow.com, find out more about what's cooking there, a lot of stuff, too. The Advertising Show, brought to you by Advertising Age magazine. You can visit online at adage.com. The Advertising Show is a big radio midgets production. Welcome to The Advertising Show, America's only radio program focusing on advertising, media, marketing, product development, branding, new media, sales and customer relations. Stay with us for entertaining marketing discussion and our special guest interview. Now, here are your hosts, Ray Shillins and Brad Forsyth. Hour number two of the Advertising Show is being brought to you by Advertising Age magazine. Visit online at adage.com, the Advertising Show, a big radio midgets production. Happy New Year. It's 2006, and we are so uh, pleased that you've uh, stuck around for hour number two. A lot of our guests leave after hour one. I don't know why, Yeah, uh, but we locked the door. They run so, out of snacks in the green room, I Oh, think. is that what it is? Okay, yep. good. We'll, we'll get them some uh, Frito-Lay stuff. It'll be good and healthy. <laughs> Uh, we have uh, John Vitell back with us this hour out of uh, San Francisco, actually a little bit north of the Golden Gate Bridge. He lives under the structure number three, right off the coast, you know, as it goes into the water. It's wonderful. Well, and, and he, he does the uh, the Napa Valley wines in the brown bag, not just your standard generic California vintage, but Napa, yes. Napa is his uh, vintage designate. In the morning, he's on the corner looking for Starbucks. Not vintage designate, vineyard designate. I see. Okay. Yes. We have uh, a lot of good stuff coming your way. Hope you can stay with us this hour. As as we uh, talked about before, we are featuring some of the uh, the neater ads, the ones that got a lot of views on adage.com this past year. You've seen some of them on TV, and we'll explain the, uh, the video portion of them. It's kind of like... Um, Closed captioning, okay? <laughs> we'll describe what's going on there. So what's cooking? Well, you know, uh, last weekend I mentioned about DirecTV uh, being owned by Fox, and I just, by way of correction, want to say that 34% uh, of DirecTV Group is owned by Fox Entertainment Group, and I just always like to be correct there. Now, you don't smoke, do you, Ray? No. Okay, no. well, the Vermont uh, Vermont Department of Health uh, and its anti-smoking uh, campaign has a, has a uh, is suggesting that a possible side effect of smoking is, sexu- uh, is sexual dysfunction as well as a speaking problem. Uh, the the uh, campaign target, <laughs> I don't smoke either. The campaign targets young adults aged 18 to 24 who are uh, the greatest potential of wanting to change their mind on smoking here. Now, what they did, Ray, is they took matchbook condoms and okay. napkins 
with humorous messages and distributed them throughout bars at college campuses and select community organizations and events throughout the state of Vermont. Here are some of the copy lines. Your spaghetti isn't quite al dente. <laughs> Another one was, your train is stuck in the station, and Ray's favorite, your yes. little general won't salute. <laughs> Radio spots uh, with fami- with similar messages will support the campaign that was created by Keller Sametz Volk, and it does. I guess that's out of Vermont, but anyway, okay. that, I thought there's some clever lines there. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, that's great. from now on, I'll know. You know, if I'm sitting around a bunch of guys, hey, is your spaghetti al dente? <laughs> no, that would only say that in an Italian restaurant, though. I think that's probably good, and not in certain other places as well. You or see. around a mixed crowd. Yeah, exactly, exactly. True. It's yeah. Ray Shillings and Brad Forsyth <laughs> with a special guest, uh, Patrick Meyer, here on The Advertising Show. Welcome to Understanding the Future Now. It's the Marketing Insider featuring Patrick Meyer. Today I'm going to talk to you about a phenomenon that's going on in the last couple of years. It's called Naughty is Nice. Yes, you heard it right. People want to be just a bit naughty. Yankelovich, in their most recent survey, highlighted that 73% of people felt empowered to break the rules and have fun doing it. Another example, Vegas. What happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. A little bit of naughtiness. Not that everybody necessarily wants to go and get wild in Vegas, but it's just having a little bit of fun. People want to have more fun and do things that they're not supposed to do, all within reason. Consumers want you to break the rules so they can have more fun and be surprised and delighted. They don't want boring brands. They don't want boring advertising. They don't want the traditional. Give them some stuff that makes it fun and a little bit more playful. Here's how you get there. What you want to do is understand how your target thinks. What do they do? How do they like to have fun? When are they playful? So let's take Yankelovich's willful disobedience insight and come at it in a way that builds your business. First, what does your consumer do? What do they find that's really fun? What do they laugh about? What makes them smile? Let's bring some of that to our product, to our advertising, to our offers that we serve up to them every month, what we do at retail or online. How do we surprise and delight them and make them smile? Second, let's break the rules ourselves. What do we do that's a little bit different than other members of our category? So Target versus Walmart. Target's always being a little bit naughty and breaking the rules and how they portray the brands, what they do, how they do sales, etc. You've been listening to The Marketing Insider, heard every week here on The Advertising Show. Join us next week for more insight into the future of marketing. I'm Patrick Meyer, and remember, the marketing revolution is now. On the advertising show, good stuff. Naughty is nice. That's, that's actually a two-part uh, thing. We'll play the uh, the next part next week. That would make sense, wouldn't it? That would be good. Uh, what a concept, yes. <laughs> uh, let's see. We've got uh, John Detell back with us here in just a few moments for hour number two of the advertising show. Um, this is interesting, and I think it's kind of cool. Uh, marketers are operating hotels to boost products. Seems like an expensive thing to do, but hey, what do I know? Mm-hmm. Upscale faucet manufacturer Kohler, which makes a darn good sink, that's sure. a product placement, owns a hotel in St. Andrews, Scotland, and is outfitting the bathrooms with examples of its product line, as well as bathroom tiles by Kohler owned and Saks. Similarly, Conair Corp., uh, the people who make uh, Cuisinart, 
uh, and Waring puts the uh, spotlight on his brands at its Caribbean Cuisinart Resort and Spa. <laughs> I'd like to stay at the Caribbean Cuisinart Resort and Spa, Brad. Well, it's, at least they probably have a good uh, rum punch there. I guess they ought to. It would make me dizzy. To, you know, the bed the bed spins or something like Cuisinart. that. Cuisinart. A Cuisinart <laughs> Hotel. Yeah. Right. Let's see. What else could you possibly have? The uh, auto light spark plug uh, in. I don't know. Something like that. You know, I've been to the bathroom in Scotland, and for our worldwide audience, listening to the advertising show.com to I'm sure I'm sure several life. others have as well and there's no Kohler in there it's all old stuff in fact it's kind of trench like is it really stone age well I'm <laughs> telling you that it is kind of strange to and I like that I like kind of in an old uh, setting like that you you say so this is how they went to the bathroom how many hundreds of years ago so is this indoors or outdoors no it's indoors oh, but it it's okay, it's kind of yeah. like a, an old stadium if you're over the age of 45 if you know what I'm saying an old stadium. Oh, yes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Not a real great place to stay for more than, a, uh, what, 60 seconds? Well, let me put if it this way. Young. If you're a little kid, you tend to get, and you're wearing shorts, it's not fun. <laughs> if you know what I mean. <laughs> That's funny. I tended to wear, I tended to ask for long socks when I went in there. Did you really? <laughs> yeah. That's good. That's funny. Yeah. Uh, Jared, you remember Jared? Jared Fogel, the pitchman oh, yeah. for Subway? Yeah, uh, the fat guy that got skinny on sandwiches. Exactly. By How much sandwiches. could he have been eaten before he got skinny on sandwiches? He had uh, mayo and mustard on the sandwich, I guess. That was the trick. Yeah. He's going to help dieters stick to their weight loss plans. Pre-recorded phone calls. Users visit a Subway website to request the time of day. They wish to be called and wait for the encouragement to roll in. And uh, basically, you can go to SubwayFreshSolutions.com. I know you I, wanted to have uh, Richard Simmons like, Brad, cut it well, out. Actually, Don't yeah. eat that. No, I called there the other day, and here's Jared. No, hold on a second. I was put the sandwich down there. Yeah, hold on. Oh, my goodness. This mayo is just getting me here. crazy. Can here. I have another Coca-Cola, please? <laughs> no, Diet Coke? No, no, regular. Oh, Coca-Cola with a cherry on top. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> We've got John Mattel coming back out of San Francisco as we celebrate a brand new year on the advertising show. Ray Shillings and Brad Forsyth back in just a minute with more. Go to theadvertisingshow.com and find out a whole bunch of cool stuff, too. Make your advertising dollars work smarter. You're listening to The Advertising Show with Ray Schillens and Brad Forsyth. Hey, uh, I'll take uh, one of those chickens. Sure. Which one? Uh... Thousand Man Slap. Thousand Man Slap, uh, Brad. Uh, that's uh, PepsiCo, Pepsi. It's Sumo. It's the you've seen them. The the two chickens without heads, mm-hmm. battling for the uh, who was going to go home with the Pepsi, and uh, one of them won. What a great idea! That's uh, BBDO New York, and it's one of our most uh, watched videos of 2005. So here we are back uh, as promised with John Battelle out of uh, California, San Francisco, to be exact, and uh, author of the book The Search How Google. And its rivals rewrote the rules of business and transformed our culture. You can go to BattelleMedia.com. It's B-A-T-T-E-L-L-E Media.com if you want to find out more about that. Just go buy the book. Be a good thing. <laughs> Welcome back to the show, John. I love to hear that. 
Yeah, and if you buy it, go go to Amazon.com and keep this whole uh, Internet thing going, right? That's right, yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah if you're just joining us, last segment we were uh, wrapping up the interview talking about the epic uh, 2014 uh, uh, online film and, and how we did have a couple of the creators of that film on the show last summer. And uh, just to follow up, uh, and again, if you're not familiar with the show, it's basically a, uh, a short film that takes actual events from the last few years and combines it with future timeline leading up. Uh, events that lead up to speculation of the evolution of future media, and certainly Google is uh, front and center of that particular uh, film. And uh, just curious, another prediction of the uh, Epic 2014, and if you're interested, uh, why not? Google Epic 2014, you'll find it online. Uh, another prediction, John, by Epic 2014 was that Google and Amazon would join forces yeah, and create... Yeah, create Google's on, and really we're talking about total customization of content, and I guess ultimately advertising for users based on that particular type of uh, uh, of uh, network, if you will. Uh, is this a real possibility in your opinion, John? There's no question. Google and Amazon are driving from two ends toward the middle. Um, if you, uh, Mary Meeker, a famed internet analyst who I think is nevertheless uh, very, very smart, even though she was beat up a bit during the crash, I think she never lost faith. She, she uh, coined the term SFO uh, for this world of search, find, and obtain, which if you look at on one side, you've got search. Google owns that. And on the other side, you've got obtain, and eBay and Amazon own that, really, as the bigger brands of getting buying stuff online. But Google has Frugal. Google launched something called Google Base, where you could upload information, products for sale, listings, classifieds, and you know, personals, anything, anything really, into Google Base. And Amazon has launched A9, which is a search engine. And Amazon just open sourced uh, the back end of Alexa, which is another search engine. And so these guys know that you need search in order to find and obtain, and you need to want to buy something in order to want to search, right? So they are in each other's business, even though they are very strong partners. eBay uh, and Amazon are two of Google's largest advertising partners. Um, so they are in an ecosystem where really my belief is they need each other. Now, that may mean that they need to merge, but I don't think so. Um, however, it does make for some pretty interesting future history, so to speak, to deposit that fact. I'm not sure they're going to need to merge for the effect that Epic, uh, the film, uh, predicted. Um, I think they're going to be in an ecosystem of, of, of cooperation and uh, competition uh, that, that allows for those events to unfold. Of course, you know, the shifts in the media world, the, the, the shift over to Google and, and Amazon and others as being our center, our locus for where we pay attention. Of course, media has always been where we pay attention. Um, uh, and I think that we will see with, you know, tools like search history, which allow you to know everything you look for in the past and where you found it, where you went, um, and, and sort of these clickstream trails, everything you do on the Internet, you can go back and say, where was I on Tuesday, the 14th of December, and what did I look at again? Mm-hmm. All those things are going to come, you know, be folded into Google and Amazon. Amazon's already got it. It's called their recommendation system. If you've ever bought anything, right, People who bought this also bought that. I don't right. know if you've ever ended up buying more music or more anything because of that feature. I certainly have. That is uh, using your clickstream and the clickstream of millions of others to create a better uh, engine, search engine, for products. 
Um, you, you know, it would seem uh, appropriate, and we're not going to do this, uh, to talk about the long tail right there because you're kind of going into that. But we're going to hold off on that because you piqued my interest when you talked about Alexa, uh, another search engine for Google. Why would Google need another search engine? No, Amazon actually owns Alexa. I'm sorry. Yeah. Now it makes sense. And when you talk about search, find, and obtain, uh, the find, I guess, is the Internet connection itself, right? Well, uh, so you, you go on to Google and you search for, you know, GM minivan and you find GM site. That's the find. And then you go through GM site and you, you know, maybe you do some interactive videos and, you, you know, all the great stuff that the agencies hopefully have made for GM. Um, and then you go and obtain the car, right? I got you. Um, and so there's the, the, the find is kind of the, the glue in the middle of that. So the search, uh, yeah, I see. So it, it only makes sense that uh, the obtain component of that is something that Google is finding uh, more and more of interest and putting more effort towards. You know, you mentioned last hour about a new company, uh, Federated Media, that you're starting. You uh-huh. were formerly, you were formerly publisher of the Industry Standard and uh, the Industry.com and chairman and CEO of the parent company Standard Media International and. Uh, of course, uh, you're, you would think you'd be done and you could go take a rest, but you find yourself now in the middle of federated media. Share with our audience, if you would, the, the model, what it's all about, and what got you interested in that. Well, sure. Federated um, came out of staring at search for the last uh, three years and really my fascination with media and media models. And I, and I noticed that the, the core driver of, of value in, in, in the media world um, of course, is great content, and, and, and authors of great content or producers of great content, um, like this show, for example, and then marketing attaches to that content. Search blew that up uh, in a certain way because now it was the intent of the audience. And so all of a sudden, if you put in GM minivan, for example, you're declaring intent. Then you find the content, which might be what the marketer makes on the interactive website. It might be um, you know, a, a review of the minivan or whatever it might be. But the intent comes first then the content and I was noticing this and it changed and of course the other thing being that the internet itself is a great distribution mechanism so I noticed uh, about two years ago I was uh, asked by some friends to help them uh, with a site called Boing Boing which is the world's largest blog weblog has mm-hmm. over two million visitors and I said to them how is it that you got two million visitors without spending a dime on marketing and they said because people just found us how do they find them? Well, it's a very well-known site. Lots of people link to it. it. It ranks very well in search, and people find it through search. They start reading it, and they, they love it, and they stick with it. So I noticed this shift that these wonderful authors of content on the web were being found and building these loyal audiences, but they did not have a marketing infrastructure. They did not have a way to truly find the endemic and high-quality advertisers that would fit within their site in a, in a way that, that, you know, with CPM advertising and, and branding advertising, as well as traditional CPC, Google-type ads. So I started a company to try to marry the two together, and that's what Federated is. See, Brad, Boing Boing is not a pickup line. I told you that. It never worked. And <laughs> it has worked. He doesn't, oh, it has worked? Oh, okay. Yes, it has. Okay. You well, wouldn't want a meter, but it's worked. It's a blog <laughs> and a pickup line. Yeah, that's right. We've got more with uh, John Battelle out of San Francisco, author of The Search, How Google and Its Rivals Rewrote the Rules of Business and Transformed Our Culture. Uh, BattelleMedia.com is John's website. And we've got another segment to spend with John here in uh, just a few moments on the Advertising Show with Ray Shillings and Brad Forsyth. Stay with us.
Quick Takes on Sales and Customer Relations with Jeffrey Gittimer, nationally syndicated columnist in the network of city business journals and other great publications worldwide. If you're offended by common sense commentary, don't you dare listen. Now, here's Jeffrey. Here's a reality check. Business studies show that it takes 12 positive occurrence to overcome one negative experience. Now, men know this. That's why roses come in dozens. But get real. Do you believe what someone says or what someone does? Apologies are worthless unless they're followed up by an action plan, action taken, resolved situation, and the customer is recontacted. Your first words and the type of apology you offer or you first offer sets that tone for how the customer is going to receive the solution. Recontacting the customer is the final and most overlooked step in a successful apology. The note you end on is the note your customer will begin to sing when he or she hangs up the phone or leaves your place of business. Act on complaints. Don't talk about them. Quick takes on sales and customer relations from The Advertising Show, the only radio show in America featuring Jeffrey Gittimer as a regular weekly guest. To learn more about his books, tapes, CDs, and speaking engagements, log on to Gittimer.com, G-I-T-O-M-E-R.com. And tune in next week when we'll hear Jeffrey say, This is Jeffrey Gittimer reminding you that if no one responds to your ad, it may be because your ad sucks. Make informed decisions about your company's advertising strategy. This is The Advertising Show. This is a a spot from 2005 that uh, not only uh, drew uh, a lot of great uh, hits uh, with the viewers, but a little bit of controversy, too. It was uh, Chicago's, DDB Chicago's, applause for Anheuser-Busch's uh, Super Bowl ad. Uh, they rated uh, it lo- the most liked spot for the period. The, uh, the ad showed an airport crowd simultaneously applauding a group of soldiers. Everybody saw that, and I thought it was pretty cool. What do you, what do you guys think? No doubt. That is outstanding, I thought. Anything that has a bit of an emotional uh, tug to it, and I think that that was uh, a repeat, Ray, from uh, a year ago, as I recall. They don't say that there, but that very well could be. Yeah, Our special uh, guest is, uh, I'm sorry, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, and a well-needed well, uh, well repeat, I might add. I totally agree. John yeah. Vitale out of San Francisco. Uh, the search, how Google and its rivals rewrote the rules of business and transformed our culture. Welcome back to the show, John. Thank you. And so uh, just to wrap up there, you were talking about Boing Boing. Is, uh, is that boingboing.com, I assume? Dot .net, actually. Dot um, .net. Yeah. And that's B-O-I-N-G. Yep, twice. Yeah. And uh, is it more like a, a, a podcasting directory, so to speak? or well, how it's, I... it's for uh, very interesting, very smart uh, writers, journalists, uh, who are basically just posting things they find interesting around the Internet. They all have their specialties. They're, they're into various things. But together they've made a really uh, amazing kind of what they call a directory of wonderful things. Um, they are doing some podcasting and other things, but really it's just a wonderful read if you kind of want to see what's going on uh, in, the, in the wide Internet world. And at Federated, we have brought together 20 sites uh, like Boing Boing in a federation and, and, and pooled all the unique visitors and all the page views together and built a platform that allows marketers to uh, insert their ads on 
those sites. But we believe that the uh, power uh, has shifted a little bit to the audience and the author, so it's now more equal between the marketer, the audience, and the author. And so we have the authors approve or endorse the ads before they show up on their sites. So that is actually a wonderful thing because it brings the advertiser into the conversation with the audience and the author. And uh, there's a there's a you know very uh, you know real you know tacit endorsement that occurs. So this ad's okay to be on my site, almost like what you might in your in the radio business call a DJ read. Exactly. Um, and I, I like that idea of of giving the authors the power to say no. Um, and, and, you know, if, as an author at the L.A. Times or other places where I've written, I'd never have the power to say yes or no of the ads that were next to my editorial. That was a publisher's job. But a little bit of the power is switching to the authors because they are building these extraordinary sites which are garnering these very large audiences, um, and they're doing it without having to uh, buy their way into distribution networks like cable networks or, uh, you know, uh, through uh, magazine distribution or newspaper distribution. So the economics are shifting, the models are shifting, and I think the marketing shifting as well. And it's an exciting time to be in that business. Well, the, the, I thought that was very interesting the way you described that. And you're right. Uh, any kind, any time a uh, author, which is really just another word for a media creator or a creator of uh, right, like a producer, uh, right? Exactly. Whenever they can be the clearinghouse, if you will, for the marketers and and in effect telegraph to their audience that there's a uh, pre-approval of the message that you're hearing, almost an endorsement uh, that I think uh, resonates well with the uh, consumer and the listener and in turn uh, means more for the marketer ultimately, I think. So it's a great concept. So you say 20 sites are currently listed. Can we go to what? Federatedmedia.com and see this? or where, yeah, how FMPUB, would we FMPUB.net is where we are currently um, and we are in, we're in alpha. We're actually working right now with a limited set of advertisers uh, running off the platform, we've worked with lots of big name advertisers to uh, to test the system, and we're very pleased with the results so far. Um, but we are really looking forward to opening it up to the public, which we should be doing in just a few weeks. Well, that's cool. I, I we'll uh, we'll be listening for that, and maybe you can let us know and give us a heads up, and we'll have our audience worldwide be aware that uh, when and if and when they can log on. I'm curious. Uh, do you think that the uh, the Google model with regard to paid search option will always be its biggest revenue source? Well, that's a great question. Uh, three months in, I haven't gotten that question. Well, <laughs> you know, you got to be on shows like this to get those kind of unusual questions. I, there's all those other homogenized questions, yeah, but yeah, then there's yeah, ours. Like, should I buy Google stock and it's yeah, yeah. price? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Or how much do you own? Now, see, there's yeah. probably a question you I, haven't had. I, I own none. I don't own any com- companies that I cover. Okay, Martha. Um, but uh, <laughs> yeah. uh, the, your question, I think what's going to happen is that the paid search model itself is going to morph and we will see it take over the upfront and take over television advertising. Um, so I think that Google's main source of revenue will be for the foreseeable future uh, advertising. But whether it will be that paid search model, I think you could ask, you know, you could say no because I think the model is going to switch. There's mm-hmm. a scenario in the book where I describe how that's going to happen and all it takes is a critical mass of uh, TiVo-like TVR devices um, and uh, and a little bit more of bandwidth in the internet, and we could get there. And I think we're only five five to six years away. Well, and you hear about IPTV, Internet Protocol Television, uh, you know, uh, which is something that's coming. I'm sure. Should traditional media companies be uh, fearful of search? Mm, I, I say they should embrace it. 
yep. the ones that get out in front of this are the ones that are going to win. Yep. Um, and we have a major moment, I think, in the media business where we have models based on controlling distribution, on controlling um, access, um, gatekeeping, uh, and whether or not we can afford to pay cable carriage or own a printing press. And with the level playing field of the Internet, the true measure of value in a media company will be its content and how good it is. And, and that terrifies a lot of people. <laughs> but for yeah. someone who makes content, it's a good new age, and I'm looking forward to being part of it. And you are, John. Thank you for uh, being on the show. As always, a great guest. Too little time. We appreciate it. Happy New Year to you. Happy New Year. Thank you for having me. On the Thank Advertising you, Show, it's Ray Shillings and Brad Forsyth, and there'll be more in just a moment. You're listening to The Advertising Show with Ray Shillings and Brad Forsyth. What if we loved our skin? We might even show off our toes, take off our clothes, let the world in. It's another great spot from uh, 2005. Ogilvy and Mather, the creators, and a turnaround of the advertising practice of having supermodels undress in a way that makes uh, normal women feel inadequate. Dove uh, found a, uh, did a bunch of ads, actually, that uh, had normal women doing mm-hmm. undressing. And uh, that's from uh, Unilever for, uh, uh, for Dove, uh, mm-hmm. undressing for Dove. So there's another classic spot of anything 2005. Invo- anything involved undressing, I think we're all for. Possibly, yes. Po- yeah, yeah, we probably are. Yep, there was... Uh, <laughs> We have, uh, we have, uh, I I found something here this past week. Um, Yeah. It is uh, the top 10 self-inflicted marketing wounds of the year. Did you see this? Oh, no, but I'm intrigued. This is uh, from CMO, and uh, the the lady is Constantine, Constantine von Hoffman. She has three names, Constantine von You know, you'd never find her under a bridge. No, no. She's got some dough just with the name. Constantine. Von what? Hoffman. Oh, so, anyway. just Hoffman would be enough, but she's got a Von Hoffman. Von Hoffman, yes. Yeah. Well, he has hmm. an estate in... Uh, Von Berg. Swiss, uh, Italy or whatever. Cleveland. Cleveland, yeah, that's <laughs> it. The, uh, the, the, the first uh, mistake, the Bush administration, regardless how you feel about their policies, are turning out to have a gift, not just for shooting themselves in the foot, but then making sure to reload the gun. <laughs> <laughs> that, no, this is Constantine uh, talking now, okay? Yeah. Dell right. Computer ignoring Jeff Jarvis. Uh, let's see. Uh, what do we Former have? guest on the show. Yes. Uh, yep. Coca-Cola unveiling Coke Zero. There's another one there. Yep. The airlines trying to snack their way to solvency. Bankrupt Northwest and U.S. Airways announced they will no longer give away free pretzels on their flights. You can keep your stupid pretzels. Northwest just lost nearly $3.3 billion from 01, and uh, they expect hmm. to save about $2 million a year by doing this. That's okay. So you bring your own. You pay 5 bucks at the airport instead. Right. right? Uh, U.S. car companies belatedly discover that gas prices can go up. <laughs> I like yeah. that. We have uh, storm damage from the hurricane season. Uh, let's see. Uh, what else? Ford can't figure out which set of family values it values the most. Mm-hmm. PBS believes toddlers do not get up to watch do, do, do not get to watch enough commercials. Uh, so they launched PBS Kids Sprout. Uh, mm-hmm. Bob McCormick resigns as CEO of the communications company Savas Inc. And the finally one, Grand Theft Goes Pornographic. I don't know hmm. what that means. Do you know? Grand Theft Auto. It's yeah. a uh, video game. Yeah. Okay. So that is the... Oh, that's right. Uh, yeah. 
And that is uh, from Constantine von Hoffman. Hmm. How would she know about this stuff? Marketing. Well, she watches TV. I don't know what she does. Yeah. She writes. Well, that's uh, you know, you mentioned that about the uh, about the gas guzzlers and so forth, and I thought this was interesting, Ray. General Motors wants uh, to change the perception of its sports utility vehicles. Uh, in particular, they're launching a new marketing campaign for the 07 Chevy Tahoe, where General Motors will... Uh, promote the fact that it's a fuel efficient and uh, the most fuel efficient uh, within its category, which I thought was interesting. And wow. certainly, uh, you know, uh, fuel efficiency once was something that would not uh, get the showcase as it is today. Before, it would be one of several considerations for a consumer. But today, I think it's uh, something that's right at the top of the list. It's kicked off just uh, yesterday, New Year's Eve, if you happen to see uh, Carson Daly New Year's Eve uh, live on NBC. Uh, Mary J. Blige with, uh, well, she sang uh, while two Tahoes dangled above her really? on stage, if you happen to have seen this, in, at the New York Times Square. Uh, and certainly for Times Square revelers, uh, you, you, if you happen to have seen the camera shots there, you saw some Chevy hats and headbands that were distributed. Uh, the worry about that is you can't always make sure who gets those and how they're going to wear them and how they're going to behave once they uh, <laughs> are wearing your logo like that. Uh, they also promote uh, are going to promoting the new Tahoe and its gas mileage uh, through uh, TV spots that also broke during New Year's Eve and then 29 markets through newspaper uh, plastic bag uh, 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 wrappers on newspapers throughout uh, 29 markets launched uh, New Year's Day today. Really? Okay. Yeah. Cool. So it'll, it's an interesting idea. Who would have ever thought SUV and gas uh, economy would be something that would go hand in hand in marketing, right? Not, not real, not real uh, likely that that would happen. But you're absolutely mm. right. Good guess there. Here's one that uh, will hit you: Starbucks customers increasingly getting their caffeine fixed from their cars. Do you go through the drive-through, or you get it from the inside? When I go, I get it through the inside. Okay. Well, I even find it quicker than the drive-through because you just run in and run out. I think you're right. Uh, but they say they're turning up to the uh, drive-up window to serve rush hour customers. Starbucks uh, drive-through is now number 1,065, meaning approximately only 15%, believe it or not, hmm. of its locations are outfitted with the windows. So obviously there are some folks, as you say, that it's just it's just a little bit better to go in there and get the uh, Starbucks Brand experience, experience as well. Yeah, yeah you're right. <laughs> Maybe what they need to do is they need to have a Starbucks air freshener for your car. Yeah. <laughs> so you can have that, right? <laughs> That's true. We're going to be back in just a minute with our final segment of this brand new show for the brand new year, uh, 2006. The Advertising Show with Ray Shillings and Brad Forsyth. Make informed decisions about your company's advertising strategy. This is The Advertising Show. Hate something, change something. Hate something, change something. Make something better. Oh, isn't it just bliss? Right, do you hear that guy's voice? Doesn't that sound like, uh, what's his name uh, from uh, Garrison Keillor? I, it, yes. It, 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 but it isn't. It's not him. Uh, Wyden Kennedy uh, it is a spot for Honda for the Accord hmm. diesel. It's called Gur, and it's uh, Hate and Flying Diesels is the, uh, the spot. I've never seen it. Uh, they have flying toasters. Uh, very unusual, a Peter Max landscape, disembodied oh, I, voice. I did see that. 
It's, it's very memorable, yes. And the person you, you're thinking or confusing them is the gentleman with mouth sounds. What is his, what was his name? Well, that's Fred Newman, but what oh. I'm suggesting is the guy singing. Uh, he sounds just like uh, Keeler to me. Oh, oh, I got you. Oh, yeah, you're you're exactly right. And you know, if you have if you haven't seen that uh, that that particular spot you're talking about, if you see it once, it's a great example. You see that spot once as you begin to describe it, Ray. I knew exactly what you were talking about because it is unbelievable. Oh yeah. And you say you can see that currently at uh, AdAge.com. Yep, they're all up there. AdAge.com. There's a few more that we didn't get a chance to play, but uh, you can go see that AdAge.com. And it comes under the heading of 10 Most Watched Videos on AdAge.com. Carl's Jr., wow. of course, the one that we played at the beginning was the number one video. Was that with uh, Paris Hilton? The Carl's Jr.? No. Yeah. That was well, you another know that. one. Well, yeah, well, you're absolutely right. Uh, no, I, this I'm surprised the, that that wouldn't be up there. You know, that's really interesting. Uh, no, but yeah. the, apparently this the, the baby, uh, the, the, the little baby talking about Carl's Jr. was the one. Hmm. So, anyway. Hey, next week, uh, first of all, I want to say thanks to John Battelle, the author of The Search, How Google and Its Rivals Rewrote the Rules of Business and Transformed Our Culture. David Jones, formerly of the Monkees? No. <laughs> David Jones, CEO of Euro RSCG Worldwide, is our guest next week on the Advertising Show. Hmm. And that will be great. We're looking forward to that. Right now, the news that's, well, I guess maybe it's not news. Who knows? Hi, this is Andy Borowitz for The Advertising Show. And now, here's this week's feature from The Borowitz Report. In what was widely interpreted as an attempt to seek revenge for the so-called war on Christmas, an angry Santa Claus appeared in a chilling three-minute videotape this past week in which he called for an all-out war on Arbor Day. The tape, which was released to all the major news networks, shows a bearded clause in front of a plain, snowy background, fixing the camera with his steely glare. To those of you who would replace Merry Christmas with Happy Holidays, let me say this. Arbor Day is going down. In the three-minute rant, the angry, fictitious character called Arbor Day part of a stealth war on Christmas, explaining Arbor Day is all about trees. And as you know and I know, in order for Christmas to happen, many, many trees must die. According to Dr. Davis Lodgson, a leading Santa Claus expert at the University of Minnesota, the world ignores Santa Claus threats at its own peril. Does Santa possess the ability to destroy the world's trees, he asked? All he has to do is fly that sleigh a little lower, and he can take down a forest. At a press conference, CIA Director Porter Goss characterized Santa Claus's threat as credible. We've been hearing increased levels of chatter from Santa's elves, Mr. Goss said. Our policy of wiretapping every short person in the world is starting to pay off. This is Andy Borowitz, and this has been a special edition of the Borowitz Report from The Advertising Show. To read more reports or to receive daily email alerts, log on to borowitzreport.com. This is Andy Borowitz saying, keep it fake, baby. It's the advertising show with Ray Shillings and Brad Forsyth in a, in a fitting way to uh, get Andy's take on the Santa Claus issue uh, this past Christmas. And <laughs> it was Merry Christmas, folks. So there you go. I've never had more people wish me a Merry Christmas, and that was a good thing. I like that. I like yeah. That. It's, it's uh, wonderful. Yeah, there's anyway. been a lot written about that this year, and I think, uh, and I wish I could remember, I think it was the Wall Street Journal that had a good op-ed piece on uh, 
on that and about Christmas and how the person that wrote this piece was Jewish. And they said that they are not offended by Christmas. They grew up in New York City and uh, they view uh, Christmas as just a holiday that is uh, celebrated by both themselves and other non-Christians and not offended by the word Merry Christmas or and at a tree is called a Christmas tree and yeah. on and on. And I think, uh, you know, maybe that kind of stuff has to be talked about and batted around to get people's heads screwed back straight. Uh, I think that's a good, a good way to put it. You know, yeah. 06 is going to be a great year. This was a wonderful holiday season. Uh, a lot of folks uh, did a lot of good things over the holidays, and, and uh, the signs are pointing to a very powerful 2006, and I'm real excited about that. How about you? Well, uh, I'm going to suggest you continue to uh, pay cash for everything, Ray. Stay away from those credit cards. No, business is good for you, and I'm proud of you, Ray, and I'm proud of myself for still surviving. No, I don't mean that. Uh, Yeah, business is good for everyone, and everyone at least I I know, and anyone that is not having good business, you know, they're not around to talk to anyway, so who cares? (laughs) They're into a new business or something like that. Yeah. There we go. Uh, It's been a good year. Good, good, excellent. And we're looking forward to a good 06. We hope that uh, you'll uh, be with us as we head out to... Into the new year, of course, a lot of good stuff happening at the AdvertisingShow.com. As we talked about uh, last hour, uh, Shippel, uh, Ed Shippel, a great guy, Shippel.com is his website. It's S-C-H-I-P-U-L.com. And uh, the, the man's crazy, crazy good in terms of uh, <laughs> figuring out how to make uh, web marketing stuff work better. And he works for uh, uh, for the advertising show in a big-time way. And there's a thing that they have that's called Tendency. It's T-E-N-D-E-N-C-I. And uh, it's uh, what it does is it allows you to get into the website, do a little bit more uh, customization for yourself. And it's quite popular. You wouldn't believe all the people are using it. So go to Shippel.com and find out about that, too, as he's, well. He, he's a great guy, and he's got a great staff. And, uh, you know, you'll hear us plug from time to time his company, and we're doing that because we believe in his company, and he does a great job. And, uh, uh, Ray, uh, we don't, if we don't believe it, we don't speak it, right? Well, the folks that aren't associated with the advertising show uh, – uh, uh, don't got it. You know what I mean? Or yeah. or yet, or something like that. Well, they're getting it. They're getting it right, exactly. We uh, we do appreciate you, and uh, also uh, want to invite you to come back next week for former monkey Davy Jones. You know, David Jones is our guest, CEO, Euro RSCG Worldwide. We'll have a lot of fun with that, no doubt. No doubt. I'll maybe pull up some old monkeys tunes so we can have David sing along with them. That's okay. a great idea. Okay, we'll, we'll do that then. Go to theadvertisingshow.com, check out what's cooking there. And uh, The Advertising Show is being brought to you by Advertising Age magazine. You can find out more by visiting online at adage.com. Well, great show. We'll see you next week. The Advertising Show is a big radio midgets production.